0: In this series on overcoming, I want to speak to all of you intercessors at this time to pray. The Lord has spoken to my heart. He has given me understanding of next year, of what he's going to perform for his kingdom. And I want all of our prayer warriors to begin to pray for the healing power of God to move in a ridiculously powerful way. Matter of fact, the next four weeks of my messages will get us to a place on the last week. We will touch on it during the four weeks, but on the last week, we will call for the sick. We will pray for those with cancers, with diseases, whatever it is, God is going to do the miraculous. I'm calling for all the congregation to ask your neighbors, your friends that are sick, to come and to be anointed with oil and to be prayed for, because there is going to be a mighty move of God. We're going to see this all around this nation and all around the world. My proclamation to you is what God is saying is that healing is at hand. Healing is for today and God is gonna do the miraculous. So for you who are prayer warriors, you begin to pray. You begin to knock down all things that the enemy has tried to do to keep people from coming and receiving from the Lord. If you have been a person that have faced intense things in your life, I want you to understand the healing power of God is there. He will restore. Today we're going to speak about overcoming the lie of unimportance. The feeling that many have, even though they are born again, called of God, they feel like they are unimportant, like they don't belong, but not only don't belong, but they feel like even if They were accepted. They had nothing to offer. You are great in the kingdom of God because you serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to move into this message, and you're going to experience for a month, you're going to experience an extra anointing of the Holy Spirit, the move of the Holy Spirit like you have not received before. Open up your heart. Open up your mind to this. Because God has promised, and our God is not a liar. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we proclaim that the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit rules and reigns not only in this place, but in every place that we touch from our business to our homes to our jobs to our neighborhood to the places we shop to the places we work out to the places that we go on vacation to the places everywhere we go, wherever we step our foot, it's ours to command the kingdom of God to rule and reign. And we proclaim that now in Jesus' name. And this month, let it be a reality for all of us. And we thank you for that, Father. Hallelujah. Just uh, high-five someone, hug somebody, and tell them, God bless you, you may be seated. My brother, bless you. You will be set free from illness. Today let's read a story from the Bible, and the story is the third time that Jesus meets with the disciples after the resurrection. But I want you to see or to notice and to understand, to perceive in this story, Jesus is restoring Peter. I wanna say that again. Jesus is restoring Peter. Because many instances people have taught this message thinking about the difficulty that Peter had. But I want you to understand the difficulty that Peter had is not what I believe is being taught. I believe the difficulty that Peter had was feeling of unimportance because he blew it three times. He rejected Christ three times. Publicly he did that. Publicly he was with Jesus as they were describing things like, who's gonna be your favorite? All these different insecure statements that people may, but I want you to notice, in this story, Jesus was not ridiculing Peter, he was restoring Peter. And that's what God does with you. No matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've said, what you didn't say, God is a restorative God. God is a God that will restore you. And in this story, Peter denounced Christ three times and Peter feels so insecure, so unimportant, and what's even funnier as we look at it as in truth that Jesus even told Peter how he was going to die in the story. So let's read this and notice, perceive, understand, and have revelation that there is some very unhealthy comparison happening due to Peter's belief. A belief that says, I'm not important. In John 21, verse 15 through 24, let's read this. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then feed my lambs. Notice Jesus saying, nothing changes from what I've called you to be. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. Nothing changed. The way I see you, nothing has changed. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then cotton pick and feed my sheep. I added that, by the way. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, noticed Peter's reaction. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, stupid guy, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, and said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, pointing to John, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Stop comparing yourself with him. You follow me. Then the saying went out among the brethren that (laughs) this disciple would not die. Then there was where John would never die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come. What is that to you, Peter? What is that to you guys? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Again, Jesus is restoring Peter, and he is doing it publicly. Jesus wants all the disciples to see everything will be okay with Peter. But there's a word game going on here. In verse 15, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And he uses the word Love, which is the agape word, meaning love, does not. this love does not require emotion. Peter, you are an emotional basket case. You're feeling like you're unimportant. You're feeling like you've blown it. You're feeling all these feelings, but I want you to understand, do you love me? It do, it's not based on your emotion, it's based on truth. That I am your Lord. And what I say, I will not lie. Agape is the deepest kind of love and it doesn't matter how I feel and or the circumstances. I make a commitment to you and I love you no matter what. That's agape love. I make a commitment to you. doesn't matter what goes on, I love you. So Jesus said, uh, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter answers, Of course I love you. But he uses a different word. It's phileo. And the word phileo is a fond affection. And Peter had warm feelings towards Jesus. They're friends. But again, Jesus is restoring Peter. So with that answer, because Jesus knows what went on with, with Peter, what was going on with Peter, that he needs to overcome. If he's going to do the will of the Lord, he needs to overcome this. He needs to overcome the feeling of unworthiness. Verse 16, the second time, Peter, do you love me? You're using the word agape. And Peter answers Jesus, I truly phileo you. We are friends, and I have a fond affection for you, Jesus. We've been together three years, and God's doing great things in our lives. But the third time, Jesus comes down to Peter's level. Because remember, Jesus is, is restoring Peter. Not trying, Jesus is restoring Peter. So the third time he comes down to Peter's level, or where Peter is hurting and cannot get past the feeling of I'm unworthy. He can't get past that feeling of, of that because I've done what I've done, there's no way I can accomplish the things in life that I know that God has called me to. But each time in this, Jesus is saying, understand I've called you, do what I've asked you to do. Nothing changes it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, nothing is removed. The only thing is because of Where we're at, our emotions, our feelings, we don't move forward in faith. We back up in insecurity and fear. So verse 17, I'm so glad Jesus comes down to my level. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Jesus said in verse 17, he didn't use the word agape. He used the word phileo. So Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Because Peter is still battling, battling the the feeling of unimportance, battling the feeling of the reality of, This is what I've done, I know you called me, I know that there's an anointing in my life, I know all these things, I've seen it, I've watched it, I've experienced it, but because I have screwed up, I feel unimportant. Whatever you ask me to do, you just know that I just, I love you and I know that I can't get to that depth anymore because of my mistakes. Church family, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie. You are important in the kingdom of God. No matter where you have failed, no matter what has gone on in your life, you are important in the kingdom of God. Feed my sheep. Do what God's called you to do. You see, Jesus then says, feed my sheep. Peter, you're called. Everything we do for God flows out of love, not because we feel like it or we have to. It flows out of love. All pure ministry and life flows out of agape love. You want to move into a realm of the power of God and the anointing of God, then walk in agape love. You want to reach that 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 climax or, or that pinnacle of what God has called you to, then walk in agape love. Agape love destroys the feeling of unworthiness. Everything in your life is done through the foundation of love, and to have this foundation, what Jesus is restoring Peter with, Jesus comes first. But it's very interesting, as I said earlier, and we read, in this conversation, Jesus tells Peter how he will die, verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. There's a book, I don't know if any of you read this, it's called The Fisherman's Tomb, And it's where they found Peter's bones. And they were, as they studied the bones, the bones were 65-year-old robust of a robust man that was brutally murdered. And he was. He was crucified. Church legend even says that Peter was crucified upside down because when they told him he was going to be crucified, he said, please do not crucify me like my Lord. Hang me upside down. I'm not worthy of that. But his, I'm not worthy of that, didn't come out of unworthiness, didn't come out of feeling unimportant, but it came out of faith and respect for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because Jesus was first in his life. So the question then, what I want to bring to you at this point is this. Why did Jesus tell Peter how he was going to die? He's trying to restore him. Well, the answer is, it was the threat of being killed is why Peter denied Christ. Three times he thought, if I said, yeah, I was one of those guys, they would kill him too. So it was the very threat of dying that Peter denied Christ. The very threat of saying, I am submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he would die. And so Jesus says, Now I'm going to tell you how you're going to die. Let's say some truth here. Let's give you some points on why Jesus provoked Peter's response. Jesus was basically telling him publicly, You are a coward at a moment in your life. Remember the little girl? Read that story, remember the little girl? She asked her, aren't you one of the ones that were with Jesus by the campfire? Jesus, in other words, to bring restoration to feeling, not feeling, but understanding and have revelation that you are important, a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. Peter, you are going to have to count the cost. If we really are going to be serious about the things of church and the things of the kingdom of God, then we need to count the cost. We need to understand that when Jesus calls us, there's a cost to us submitting to it, even up to our life. I believe the second reason Jesus asks the question is, Peter, you are going to die horribly. Someone will do to you what you don't want done. When you walk with God, when you do the things for the kingdom of God, there are sometimes things that will happen in your life. Not really in 99% of the cases that you're going to die, especially living in America, but you're going to count the cost. There's a cost that it takes for you to be part of the kingdom of God, to be part of church. There's a cost of don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. There's a cost of coming to church. There's a cost of, of, of submitting yourself and, and helping with decoration. There's a cost of the things that go on in the church. There's a cost to go to the hospital and pray for someone when you were having family time. There's a cost to get on your knees and pray for someone that bugs you to to tears. There's a cost to love people when they, at times, are unlovable. But you need to choose, Peter, if you're gonna get restored and understand how important you are. By the way, he was restored because even the end of his life, many were healed. And restored because of his action and submission, even unto death. But watch what happens, what happens to us when we feel unimportant. Watch what happens to us when we feel unimportant, and insecurity sets in, and or arrogance sets in. In verse 20, in Peter immediately turns. To John. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? In other words, wanting John to be the one, because he was insecure, thinking I've blown it, John's this guy laying on the breast of Jesus, all the different things. He is mad at John, and he's comparing himself to John. And he is saying, well, what's going to happen to him? You're telling me I'm going to die this way? What about him? What's going to go on with him? So Peter points to John and says, tell me how John's going to die. Now, you know that Peter doesn't want to hear, John? Oh. (laughs) Let me tell you about John. John's going to live 50 more years. He's going to have many grandchildren. Matter of fact, he's going to hit the lottery and live happily ever after. You know what Peter wants to hear? John's going to have it worse than you. And Peter would say, yeah, John, ha-ha. You say that sounds so trite? It is. But that's what's what's happening with Peter because he feels unimportant. That's what happens with Peter because he feels lesser than. When we feel unimportant, we get into insecurity, then what we do is we compare ourselves with everybody else. And when we do that, then we need Jesus to restore us. (laughs) In other words, Jesus saying, Ben, do you love me? Of course I love you. No, Ben, do you love me? You see, the reality is, is that when God brings restoration to us, sometimes even the restorative time is a time where it's hard. But how we win, how we overcome, how we get to the place of victory in our lives and overcoming this feeling of unimportance is that we realize that Jesus comes first in everything whether it's easy, whether it's hard. Now, when we allow a spirit of unimportance into our thinking, we then are happy when we have an advantage and we're miserable at a disadvantage. You know what I learned a long time ago in sports? No matter how good I got, there were other people that were better. every area of your life. There's always room to grow, isn't there? There's always room to get better. Did you know that Peter and John had a huge rivalry? Not like Ohio State and Michigan, but anyways. (laughs) All my teams lost. Depression almost set in, but I'm okay. (laughs) In Matthew 20, James and John, we talked about this a couple series ago, were brothers and were called the sons of thunder (laughs) remember the mother uh, going to jesus saying hey can my son sit at your right and your left hand john actually refers to himself as a disciple whom jesus loves and then uh i want you to understand that you know that got to be annoying to all the other guys you just got to know that we have to look at these are guys that are hanging around each other for three years And all of a sudden, you got some guy, sons of thunder, you know. (laughs) I'm the one that Jesus loves. Who's going to sit at your right hand and your left sending mama, you know, to help them? You know what they were thinking. They were looking at John saying, you mama's boy. (laughs) Peter doesn't want anything to happen to him Unless it happens to John also. That's because Peter feels unimportant. Not because Peter's not called, not because Peter's not going to do great things for the kingdom, but at that moment, that season in his life, he feels unimportant. He feels worthless. Because he, again, I'm going to say it, he screwed up. Jesus has zero tolerance. For someone to think they are unimportant to the kingdom, which produces comparison. Jesus has zero tolerance for comparison. Because God called you, God anointed you, God gifted you, God did all things for you, God died for you, Jesus did everything for you. And to compare you with someone else Jesus has zero tolerance. So what is scripture telling us and what is Jesus doing in a very strong way? He is restoring Peter, but he's saying, Peter, zero tolerance on this. You wanna go further in this? Then you need to stop this. Because if you look at it, you look at the story, Jesus is kinda playing with Peter not in a bad way, but he's getting Peter into a place where he realizes, hey, wait a minute, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm doing things in life is not right. The the very reason why I messed up because I didn't do exactly what Jesus is trying to show me. You see, restoration doesn't come because you feel better about something. Restoration comes because the Spirit of God gives you truth and the truth sets you free. And you become who you were called to be. That's what God is saying. And, and I'll tell you what, it, it will, the enemy will use friends. The enemy will use people that you think that are just the closest to you to make you so mad and irk you. That's the way it was with Peter and John. Jesus answered, I think John will live forever. And if I want him to live forever, what is that to you, Peter? Why are you even concerned about John? So Jesus said, stop comparing with others and know how important you are to me. See, agape is is that intimacy, is that intimate love. It's not talking about uh, sexual. It's talking about in a spiritual intimacy. That when you begin to walk in your life loving God, and no matter what it takes, you're going to be there. No matter what, you're faithful. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how easy it gets. No matter if someone said hi to you or didn't say hi to you, you're faithful. Why? Because you walk in a of love. Because you're committed to the kingdom of God. You're committed to the things of God. Let's stop for a moment. Because you are kingdom-minded, if you're a mom, you look at someone who is a little bit older, who's a wonderful mom, you check to see what they're doing. You would, you would look and ask questions. What works for that mom? And you know, that becomes very positive and that inspires you. And you say, you know what, I'm gonna do that too because that works, that's real, that's scripture. You learn from people. In today's society, the spirit of unimportance has attacked every human being. And because of that, today's society does not want spiritual moms, does not want spiritual dads. And the only time they want that is if they have something for them. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to really be committed to me, I want you to understand you're going to die a horrible death being committed to me. He's not saying that to you, Oscar. He's not saying that to to any of us. But the reality is, are you committed and are you faithful to the kingdom of God or is it just when you feel good? But I tell you what, today's society, we struggle with having mentors. We struggle with authority. Anybody of authority, what do we want? what happens in us when someone in authority falls? What happens to us when someone who, who has things, who, who all of a sudden just makes a big mistake and maybe steals or lies or whatever and is caught and put in jail, we, see? We struggle with mentors, we struggle with authority, but that's how God created the kingdom of God. The reason why we struggle is they, they or we feel unimportant, and we compare negatively. So let me tell you this week the problems with believing the lie of unimportance, what will happen when we believe this lie. First of all, believing you are unimportant produces arrogance, superiority, or insecurity, inferiority. This is spiritual. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you've done. This is a spiritual thing. I'm better than you, so I'm proud. Or I'm lesser, so I feel inferior, and I don't like you. Peter was arrogant and secure, insecure, caused by feeling that I'm not important. I have screwed up. The second thing this spirit produces is it keeps me self-focused on others rather than God. Did you understand that self-focused on others? When I look at others, I compare me with them. Those type of people are always offended. Always comparing, not honoring, and loving your brother are having agape love. When they compare all the time they walk in, they're they're just waiting for someone to do something wrong so they can be angry. Look at the world today. Look at the shoes he's wearing, I'm offended. Look at the way he eats his hamburger, I'm offended. You shouldn't eat hamburger. You're killing steer. All I say to them, they're going to die anyways. So why not eat them when they're good? Sorry, all you vegans. Romans 8, and I'm not against that. That's the way you want to eat. That's fine. That's awesome. Romans 8, verse 3 through 8. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He contemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. When I feel unimportant, I wanna tell you the basis, when I feel insecure, the basis is, is I'm not pleasing God. How many of you love God today? I can say your name, do you love him? Of course you. Phileo or Agape? Of course you love him. You see, in this feeling of unimportant, when I live feeling unimportant, it causes me to compare with others, and the Bible says I am in the flesh and it doesn't please God, and it brings destruction. In 1997, around that time frame, Terry and I and the kids moved to North Carolina, and God did some amazing things as he's doing here. The first Sunday I was walking to church early, first service, and, and a man says, while pointing at the Jeep that we had gotten before we went to North Carolina, And he says, we must be paying you a lot of money to drive something like that. And so being my wonderful, spiritual, godly person, I laughed and said jokingly, did you bring your offering? And I thought to myself, we already had the Jeep before we even arrived. Didn't even have a paycheck yet. Anyways, let's go on with the story. So I went and preached sermon, went home, and I simmered for about two days. I was mad. So who does he think he is? What he was doing, feeling unimportant, comparing. So I went to the Lord with this, figuring the Lord was going to say, you know, he's wrong. I'm going to kick his behind for you. <laughs> but the Lord said, trade in your car and get a lesser car. My first thought was, okay, so I did. Same man comes up to me and says, now that's more like it. Brand new car, but anyways, from a Grand Cherokee to a Laredo Cherokee. So after he said that, that's more like it, I buried him in the back of the parking lot, and... (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, because we did add to the parking lot, didn't we? We covered it open. Anyways. (laughs) The guy struggled feeling unimportant. But the Lord really taught me and said, listen... There are people that you're going to face are going to have this emotion and feeling. And they're going to say and they're going to do things that will destroy their lives like what was happening to Peter. But I want you to be faithful to me and do what I ask you to do, no matter what. But the Lord said, let me tell you the caveat of what he said. He says, if you do this for me, He says, I will bless you. I will always take care of you. And I want to tell you following the Lord, it's a blessing. God is good. Church, you have to understand you are so important to the kingdom. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing or no no one else. Nothing else. No one else. Keep your eyes on God, not others. We need to stop comparing ourselves on the flesh level, but see who God has made us to be. See, when I am free from this spirit of unimportance and free from judging others, I am free to serve God perfectly. When we believe we are unimportant, it's the third thing. On some level it keeps me mistrustful of God and even offended at God. If you find people who feel unworthy, feel unimportant, they are offended at God. You will find that one day in conversation, you will hear them offended at God. Why didn't God do this? Why did God do that? He didn't do this. He did that. Why did he do that? I'm mad. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to go to heaven. But mm, mad, mad, mad. Then we start, God, why did you, if you ever prayed this, why did you make me like this? We need to sincerely thank God for who we are. And let me just say this to you. It's amazing that I've seen all the years of ministry, people that have walked in this type of journey and pain, feeling unimportant, unworthy, is that when they rise up and then begin to do what Peter did after this conversation, begin to understand, I'm called of God. I'm anointed of God. I'm important in the kingdom of God. That's what Peter did. After that conversation with Peter, I mean he went on and amazing stuff that he did. Yeah, he made some more mistakes and we all do. He wanted to go back to Old Testament times and sacrifices after the Holy Spirit came. But he made mistakes. Yes, he does. Guess what? We're all going to make mistakes. But here's the reality. Be faithful to the truth that you are son or daughter of God. Be faithful to that. God will bless you. God will anoint you. God will take care of you. The last thing that happens when we feel unimportant. Feeling unimportant and comparing causes me to be resentful and reject others who have what I want or are walking in freedom. God, why do you love them more than you love me? (laughs) Remember Peter? Peter? I'm going to die like that. Well, what about John? What's going on with John? What's going on with mama's boy? 2 hmm. Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 8 says this. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are valuable and so important to the kingdom of God. Jesus is asking you, and he's coming down to our level. And he's asking, do you love me? Do you love me? Because he agapes you. Oh, the Bible says that we're a friend of God. But we're sons. We're daughters. Covenant. You are blessed. If you feel unimportant, rise up. How do you do that? Not by fixing your problems. You do it by loving God. The knowledge of him. Let's all stand.